Hello and welcome to Integral Teaching, presented by teachingintothefuture.com. My name is Diane Walters, and I've got a series of podcasts based on what I call the unfinished lesson, leaving room for the students. Let's get right to it. How do we hold the whole web of the curriculum? How do we do that, but relate on a personal and a communal level to emerge the invisible, to emerge what we've already done and has gone into the background, and to activate future lessons, really, by deepening the present moment. I'd like to talk to you today about some of the themes that I've been thinking about when I think about teaching. So we work with time and space. In working with time, we're looking at the past, present, and future of all the subjects, the lessons that we've taught, the days, the months, and the years, the personal biographies of our students, my personal biography as a teacher, and how that relates to what I'm teaching now. So I'm really always very in the present moment, dipping into the past, and I just hadn't realized it. I was dipping into the experiences and the decisions and the visions and the outcomes that I had made whether it be yesterday, two months ago, two years ago, 20 years ago. And I was the product of all that. And so if I was the product of all that, the children are certainly also a product of all that they've been taught. So how do we work with that in a present way? How do we create a living experience of what we've done in the past in our current subject lessons? How do we bring it into context? Then I realized, okay, so that's working with the past, but then we can build anticipation for the future in our present lessons by planting seeds. But in looking at working with the future in the now, I had to look at what are the goals of my lesson, my plan, my unit blog. Where do I want them to be by the end of the month, by the end of the season, by the end of the year? Where do I want them to be in a year from now? So that's dipping our hands into the future and bringing it back and carrying the current lesson plan into seeding those future lessons. So I realized I also called it enrollment retention because I began to play with that by telling the students that, oh, they'd learn more about that in the fall, or they'd learn more about that next year, or they'd learn more about that, probably not from me, in high school. Or they might even learn more about that when they were 30 or 40, I began to directly, consciously implement the future seed into my daily practice in teaching. In working with space and how the red thread weaves through space, I looked at interconnectivity. The school that I was working with, did I work with the preschool, the kindergarten, throughout the elementary school grades, even though I might have been teaching grade eight at that time, I had to know where they came from and how I could connect with what the other aspects and divisions of the school were working with and how I could work with the parents and the board and the administration, not to mention how I could work with other teachers in creating an interconnected thread that was common between us. So that often happens when you're creating a bake sale. You want to make money for your class trip, so you're creating a bake sale, and the rest of the kids know it. The posters go up through the school, 
And this is just one example. So at recess, the kids and the teachers and the administrators come and buy the popcorn or the baked goods for your class trip. But what if we created more than just a bake sale? What if we created presentations that invited the rest of the school, the administration, the parents, the board, the younger children, the older children into our classrooms? I did that when I was teaching in Toronto in a grade six classroom. I was doing South America. And so I did a festival and I invited the younger children to come through. And the older high school students that were part of that school at that time came through and I asked them all at the door. I asked them to ask one question of each booth because the kids had put themselves into booths, country booths. It was wonderful to see the enlivenment that came about when kids began to interconnect and thread their own learning with questions from uh, younger and older students. It was also interesting to see how other teachers interconnected with the kids in my class and how they commented on what they did in a faculty meeting a week later or out on the field uh, when they were supervising. They knew a little bit more about the students in my class than they would have. Not to mention, of course, parents and grandparents' days. If you're a teacher of a younger school group, kindergarten to grade five or six, I would say I was always inviting the parents to come for a presentation or to sit in the back of the classroom and just feel out what the children were experiencing. So I have to say, when we're working with the red thread in space, I would have to say what those common threads are united curriculum planning between school spheres, between different divisions, and how just even the smallest invitation to do so can create stronger connection, warmer, empathetic reactions to one another, which can last for days and months, weeks and years. I don't know why I call it the red thread. It just came to me. But when I looked up the red thread, I realized that Asia and many other cultures in the world use the red thread as a sign of loyalty and fidelity. It's often used as an engagement bracelet. And I thought about that because for me, engagement is at the core of my work. So what is it to engage, to marry, to bond, to make a commitment to? How do we weave that red thread and that bracelet of fidelity and loyalty to our students, to one another and our colleagues, to the parents who support us teaching their children, to the board members who often put in volunteer time to keep our schools running? How do we thank them? How do we let them see that we see that thread? How do we weave that tapestry? It began to be more and more of a question and so as I began to look at the past and renewing past learning, of course, I came to where have we come from? What is the history of the school? What are the biographies of the faculty? What are the roots of the curriculum? And if you're a homeschooling parent, you can adapt everything I just said to the history of the homeschooling movement, to the biographies of the people that you are working with in teaching and leading you to teach your children and the roots of the curriculum, what lies behind everything, and what have the children learned that can be present now? And how do we work with imaginative recall in our lessons? 
or if you're an administrator, agenda follow-up. I think we often, as teachers, keep forging ahead without looking back into the past and pulling back and recalling what we've taught the children and what was the most important thing. To let that be an act of inquiry that doesn't have our answers, but the responses of the students that we teach. And how we take that forward into enlivening our present-day learning styles is where are we now? What are the, if you were to work with the image of a tree, you know, if the, the past were to be the roots, what are the stems and stalks of the curriculum? What is the emergent inquiry that we're working with? And how are we activating inspired content and experience? But when I think about teaching in the present, it's usually what we're doing every day. The kids are noticing us. We're on a stage. And it's, it's very much like being in live theater. Most teachers would tell you that. It also became something where I realized that movement was key. And how do I work with where we're going? I began to ask where I was bringing my curriculum and my subjects and how I was branching it out. How was I bringing possibility and the unknown into my lessons now? How was I expanding it and planting seeds for what was to come and what those seeds might be? In other words, how was I teaching into the future? We often think that we were waking students up, but how do we actually teach so that they can just get embedded as imaginations and as seeds and then go to, to sleep to be picked up again? And I think that that is going to be another podcast on teaching through sleep, I guess, but uh, stay tuned for that one. When I think about taking time in our hands as teachers, I think about the story of the three Norns. And they were the three old women at the bottom of the Yggdrasil tree in the Norse mythology. And it was interesting that the origin of the name Norn is derived from the word meaning to twine, so twining the thread of fate. And they wove a web. They were responsible for shaping human destinies. And I think that that could be a tagline for being a teacher, responsible for shaping human destinies. So in a way, we're all the Norns, weaving the past, the present, and the future together as we make our way through our curriculum and our lesson plans. So the web of the word, which was spelled W-Y-R-D, that the Norns wove, represented the interconnectedness of the past, present, and future, but it also represented the interconnectedness of what the Norse thought of as the microcosm and the macrocosm. So the larger picture and the smaller picture. So I began to think what the larger picture was, was that I was shaping human destiny now. The smaller picture was now. I'm, I've got grade four students in front of me. I've got grade six students in front of me. I've got kindergarten students in front of me or grade 12 students in front of me. This is what I have. How was I going to be responsible for that in the future? And it brought nothing short of of course, student inquiry and student engagement. The interdisciplinary curriculum seal, which you'll find all over my website, Teaching Into the Future, and how we work with interdisciplinary education in everything that we do, whether we realize it or not. And if we don't, we should be. 
One of the other aspects of the Norns and the task that they have, which was to help Yggdrasil tree, which is the tree of life, stay green and healthy. They carried water from the well and they had to collect earth or clay that lies around the well and pour it over the tree of life of Yggdrasil. And if they failed to do it, the ash tree would have started to rot. So I began to think, okay, metaphorically, what is the compost? The, you know, it's clear about what the water of life is for the tree of life, but what is the tree of education? What is the compost that we need to work with in the tree of education? It's recognizing that education is inquiry and emerging interest. I think is how we really look at how we create enlivenment from old life and bringing it to life anew each day. And we have a tendency to drill the times tables into the students to create memory and recollection of the times tables or to drill grammar, nine parts of speech. Let's memorize and reiterate and regurgitate. And I think that that, that, that would be the comparison to organic and non-organic food. I think, well, it's there and it works and you can eat it. You can teach it. But what is the living life force? What are the enzymes behind our curriculum? What is this idea of new life born of old? And I think, well, it comes through that moment, that in-between place, that what you have learned is taking shape and is not quite born yet, is still living as a sprout, as a possibility within the human being, and it's still sleeping. How do we carefully tend the roots of those seeds that we ourselves have planted in the children so that they don't become dry and dead roots that might still hold the tree up but not be able to give it nourishment in life? For if it's not giving nourishment to the students and life to everything that we teach, what is our task? I find it interesting that this trio of Norns worked with what once was, what is coming into being, and what shall be in Norse mythology can have such significance on the teaching profession and on what it means to learn from the tree of life itself. Thank you for listening to Integral Teaching, presented by Teaching Into the Future, and I hope to see you again. If I piqued your interest, it would really help if you would rate my show either by a like or giving me your personal rating. I'm just starting out here, and I've got a whole lot more for you. So stay tuned for my next podcast. 